Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman and I'm really excited to talk to everybody today. I got a lot of questions over the last week and I want to try to address everything today so I could start fresh next week because next week I actually want to talk about <clears throat> Hanukkah and uh, what happens with the influx of everything that comes into our house before Hanukkah. So... Um, I'm going to try to answer all the questions I have. I think that I'm, I'm going to be able to do it today. And uh, hopefully that will clear the slate. Um, I want to say, if you don't hear that I've answered your question up until today, then it's Kadai to leave me another message. A lot of times I won't answer if I can't hear the message. So maybe the message you left me wasn't clear. Um, in that case, like... A lot of times people don't speak clearly or they speak too low or they speak too far away from the phone or it's just not a good connection. They're calling maybe from a cell phone and we don't have a good connection and I can't always hear the voicemail. So if I didn't answer your question, I apologize, but please uh, leave me another voicemail and just speak slow, speak clear, um, and I'll do my best to make sure I answer everything. So here we go. <laughs> Um, okay, so the first, this is kind of an old question, but, um, a lady called me and asked me about a place where she could sell old jewelry because she doesn't want to just, you know, melt it down, uh, because, you know, anyways, it's not, it's not worth so much just, you know, for the gold or whatever, it's more valuable, um, together. Where you take it will depend on where you live, uh, like I work with someone in Israel who deals with that, um. I think that also it depends on what you have. Um, there are a lot of places that don't want to take things because um, a lot of times, I hate to say this, but it's the truth. <laughs> um, nobody wants your stuff. <laughs> you bought it and that's great. And if it brings you joy, buy whatever you need to buy. But the thing is, is actually selling things is really hard. So things like real precious stones, like diamonds, um, or other precious stones, maybe rubies or, or like, um, I, I don't know, topaz or whatever, pearls even, um, those will sell slightly better, although pearls are actually a bit problematic. A lot of people don't like pearls. They're not quite as popular as they used to be. So it's more difficult to sell those things. Um, it's not impossible, but it's harder. So where you sell them is going to depend on where you live. And the interest in in someone hasn't buying them. Now, I will say this. A lot of times we think like, okay, we paid $1,000 for something. And that means if we want to resell it, especially if it's still in very good condition, that we should get that amount of money for it. But that's not actually how selling secondhand works. When people are buying secondhand, they're looking for a deal. And the thing is, is I know you want to recoup some of the money when you've bought something, especially if it's a purchase that you felt like buyer's remorse on, but it won't actually sell for what you paid for it 90% of the time. So it's kidai to, it's worthwhile to really be like, okay, I'll get something for it. If you bought it for a thousand dollars, you know, be willing to take a hundred dollars for it. You might not even get a hundred dollars for it. Be okay with that. And just know that the person who's taking it off your hands was really searching for it and really wanted it. And 
It's not something that's going to sit and go unused because they were searching for it in the secondhand market. It means that they really want it and it means that they really were using it. So if you still have questions about that, call me and leave me the place, the city that you live in, and I'll do my best to try to find, help you, or maybe I already work with someone in that city. Okay. Um... I know that there's a big demand for time management and Bezrat Hashem, we will get to it. Just I keep getting like a lot of issues that I really, really want to discuss. What I will say about time management is that having less stuff will help you manage your time better. So work on the decluttering, work on the organization and the time will increase exponentially. You won't even know what to do with all your free time when you're not spending it cleaning your house or tidying your house. Um, the same lady also asked me about, is there an organizer who does, um, f who gives free service? Well, there may be. I don't know anybody. I certainly don't work for free. And I'll tell you why I don't work for free. I don't work for free because the people who aren't willing to save up a little bit of money, even for one or two sessions with me, aren't going to be motivated enough to work with me. When you pay for a service it works better for you. If you're having trouble with affording it, if it's really out of your out of your price point, that's okay. There are solutions. Get a partner. Find one of your friends who is very organized and say, I'll help you if you help me. And the thing is, is it's not so much about um, having necessarily a professional organizer, although I do think in my own personal opinion that that's the best solution for most people. But it's mostly about being accountable. Even see if you can get your husband to sit down with, not sit down with you, but, you know, spend a couple hours with you um, just sorting through everything and make him ask you, is this keep or is it toss? If you can't decide within the first 20 seconds if you want to keep it or toss it, then it's for sure a toss. 99% <laughs> of the time, it's for sure a toss. If it's a question of, I really love it, um, it's a little tight on me, toss. If it's a question of, um, I forgot that I had that, then give yourself a deadline to use it by. There's all sorts of things that you can do, um, to organize without an organizer. So get a friend, ask your husband, but it's possible and you don't have to spend a ton of money or maybe find out like, a, this is something that I do with my clients. A lot of times clients come to me and they say, listen, this is my budget. This is all I can afford, but I really, really am motivated and I want to work with you. And I say, great, let's do this. Let's work for two sessions. And what we're going to do in between is that I will give you homework and you do the homework so that, you know, you're ready for our next session. And I find that maybe if you can find an organizer who's willing to do that with you, who give you homework, um, then it will help with the price point of paying someone to help you. But honestly, I, I, I have told you my struggle with food and whatever. I pay for those services. It's expensive and it's hard for us, but you want to know something? I can't do it without that help. So it's the same, it's the same sort of thing where like I'm willing to pay for a personal trainer because I need to go meet Grace every single week because Grace is the person who I'm accountable to. And I won't exercise in a way that's best for my body because A, I don't know how, and B, uh, I am not motivated to exercise. I hate exercising. I don't like to do it. 
But Grace keeps me on track. She checks on me. Hey, how are you eating this week? How is it going? Blah, blah, blah. Like, she is what keeps me on track. And it's true. Like, I go out and I walk the kids to school or or I pick them up from school or I walk the dog or, like, whatever. But I do walk. I do exercise. I do go out. But having knowing that I'm with her, um, you know, twice a week keeps me more accountable. Now, I, I'm going to just say this as a side tangent. Um, I read an article this week, I think it was in The Guardian, about um, there's a TV show called The Biggest Loser. I don't know if anybody has ever heard of this. Uh, but basically, people go on to the show who are severely overweight, like 400 pounds, 500 pounds, even sometimes 300 pounds. And they lose massive amounts of weight very, very rapidly because they're on a huge calorie reduction and, you know, they have personal trainers and they're working out like six hours a day and they're barely eating and they lose massive amounts of weight. And this study tracked the winners of The Biggest Loser and they found that over time, the people who were working out 80 minutes a day, vigorous, uh, like, over the course of the day, it didn't have to be like dedicated 80 minutes for organ for working out, but it was like 80 minutes for um, over the course of the day. So maybe it was like 35 minutes of actual physical exercise, like where they went out for a physical walk, but the rest of the time it was cumulative 80 minutes, like they took the stairs or they walked to the store or, um, you know, they whatever, mo just moved, went outside and walked around the block. That actual movement is what helped, you know, them lose weight. And so it's true. Like I track, I have increased my physical movement, but I still need grace to get to my 80 minutes every day. And the thing is, is you can, you don't have to do 80 minutes every day. And there are some days that I definitely don't do 80 minutes. Like on Shabbos when, you know, I dive in at Pechena. Uh, some weeks. Um, but the thing is, is that um, it's it's like you have to add that into your time and, and focus on like getting that done. And it's hard for me, even though I can manage my time well, I'm not motivated to do that. So I guess with organizing, the thing is, is if you're having trouble with it, it's probably because you're lacking a certain amount of motivation, but you might not even be lacking motivation. You might just look at it and sort of like I do, like, I don't know the best um, way to target certain muscle groups. Like, I don't like my arms. How do I make my arms, you know, look better? Grace knows how to do that. So the same thing is like when you hire a professional, they know how to target your problem areas best and efficiently and effectively. And sometimes you really have to say, maybe I can't afford it, but you know, I need this so that I can get to the place I want to be. I personally offer payment plans for for all my clients and you know maybe that's the way to go. See if you can pay it out $100 over every month for the next 10 months or whatever it is for however much the person charges. So I'm just saying that like there's always a way if you really have a will and asking for a free service is not going to actually get you to where you want to be because we are less motivated to do well when we have free service. Okay. Um, the next question was about children's art supplies, how to organize it. Do I need special drawers? Um, it's really difficult to organize bigger drawers. So 
here's the thing. When we have a space, I don't necessarily advocate going out and buying more containers to um, make things organized, but sometimes it's necessary. However, you can find um, things around your house that you probably already have. Like, for example, I always save... In Israel, uh, mushrooms come in like those plastic containers that strawberries come in in America. I always save those and I use them inside my drawers. I don't have to pay a ton of money. I've already paid for them. I use them like I'm just reusing them. Why should I go to the container store and buy, you know, $300 worth of containers when I got this one for free when I bought the mushrooms? And... It sounds cheap or whatever, but really it's better for the environment. It saves you money and it's just as effective. It may not look as pretty. And if you feel like it's not pretty, I bet 85% of you have some wrapping paper in your house that you're not using. Get some wrapping paper and wrap them up and make them look pretty or take them outside if you don't like the green color and paint them with the kids. It's a really great project. Paint them white. They'll look fabulous if they're painted white. So... There's a lot of things you can do already that with bins and stuff you already have, be creative um, and sort things in there. I definitely suggest labeling um, all the boxes. That helps the kids. Even if they can't read, um, you could do it with pictures. But cleaning up says when you have to clean up, you could say, hey, look, see, it says markers on the side. M-A-R-K-E-R-S. That's how you spell markers. So all the markers go in this bin and... It helps them. It gives them like recognition for certain words, but also, you know, it's there for you too to say, hey, where does everything go? And it will actually help you with the organization in long term. Um, as far as supplies in general go, I would say keep them to a minimum and just sort of like use what you need when you need it. If you want to do a special art project, call a kavod, like go ahead and do that. But you know, don't overbuy. Buy what you need for that project and and be done. You know, obviously keep markers, keep crayons, keep um, colored pencils, keep paper for them to draw on or maybe stickers, but you don't need like every single kind of art supply that comes in Michael's to, to make your kids happy. So consider having less art supplies, just scale back to the basics. And then when you want to do like a special project, I used to do like a special project every week. I would just buy like what we needed for that project, or I would try to use things that we already had on hand. Um, I used to paint my nails a lot. Um, actually not a lot, but I always used to keep nail polish in the house. Um, you can actually do some really amazing thing. I don't use nail polish anymore and I don't have any nail polish anymore. Um, my daughter still has a few, um, things of nail polish, but in general, I don't really allow her to use nail polish cause I just don't think it's healthy. Um, but nail polish can make really awesome stickers. So if you fill a cup with water and then you could drip the nail polish in um, in the water, like you just drop it in and you can make designs and you let the nail polish like harden and dry and then you can just peel off the, the nail polish from the water and it's sticky on like film surfaces so you could stick them on the window. I used to, my daughter and I made um, stickers to put on the back of my cell phone at one point and, and then you just paint it on like with clear nail polish if you want it to stay forever. Um, and if you don't, you can peel it off and use it again. So it's really cool. Like the kids can make their own stickers and it's good. They can see how, you know, science-y kind of. Um, so reuse what you already have. Find um, new uses for old things before you go out and spend a ton of money on an art project that 
most likely is going to end up in the garbage anyways. Um, okay, so I'm just going in order here, and um, I know it seems like it's no order, and there is no order today, so it's the disorganized version of organizing. Um, I'm just sort of reading as they come. Um, there are a few more questions about art supplies, so I'll go back to them as I come up with a question. Okay, um, a lady asked me, um, is there zero-waste shoe polish? So I looked into it, um, and what I f saw was that this was actually cool. You could, I don't know if this works, I didn't try it, but feel free to try it. You could take a banana peel, and um, that will help shine up some leather, like the inside of the peel, um, and then you just buff it with a clean cloth. The other thing that I found, which I also didn't try, but if someone tries it, please let me know, um, was two parts extra virgin olive oil and one part lemon juice. Um, make like, you know, mix it up really well and rub it on the shoe and then buff it off with a, like a clean white cloth. So um, if that works for you, please let me know. <laughs> okay. Um, a natural, a natural, sorry, a natural air refresher instead of a spray, like a bathroom spray. Well, um, a few weeks ago, I spoke about a linen spray um, that I made, uh, which was just um, um, some essential oils with um, so like some water, and that is actually really good. You can reuse like a spray bottle from an air freshener spray you already have, or just make it, you know all the time and um that works really well um i know this sounds weird but um you can use the cleaning spray like the vinegar with the lemon juice that i also spoke about the lemon peel that like soaks in the vinegar so it gets like you know more um cleaning action and spray that in the air it won't really smell like vinegar and plus if the vinegar touches anything it will have a disinfectant uh, reaction to it Okay, um, Razy agrees that the less you have, the more organized you are, but it seems the stuff coming into your house seems to be never ending. Um, I agree. <laughs> stuff is always coming into your house. Stuff comes into my house. The kids track home a paper that, you know, the teacher needs you to see, or I don't know, there's packaging waste or... Um, someone sends you a present or I don't know, the recycling needs to go out. There's always something that's coming in and out. The point is, is to have a system to deal with things effectively. So papers that come in, uh, I look at it, I deal with it. It either goes to be filed or it goes into the recycling bin. Um, artwork, which actually this part of the question comes up in a different point um, with artwork. So when my kids bring home artwork, I put it in a pile um, my kids don't bring home artwork anymore. They're nine and they're 11. So when they do come home with something, it's usually not so bad. It's pretty good. And, um, it's usually pretty good and I can put it on the wall and I'm like proud of what they've done and I just leave it hanging on the wall. Um, that's fine if it's good. If it's not good, which like if you have a toddler, it's not going to be good, right? Um, what I used to do is I used to put in a pile every week, like for each kid, and then every Mote Shabbos after the kids got in, this is especially good activity to do in the winter when it's still a little early to put in bed, but you're like trying to wind down. 
Every Monte Chavez, after they would have a bath and in their pajamas, they, you know, you look so cute when they're in their pajamas and they're clean, right? I used to take a picture of them holding their artwork that was done that week. And you can, if you want, I mean, my kids look at the pictures like on my phone, but you could buy a um, USB um, picture frame and it will rotate the pictures. So the kids can always... Look at it, like you could just leave the picture frame out all the time and it like rotates a slideshow of pictures and the kids can always look at the artwork. One thing I will really say about papers, especially that's coming in, is that uh, a lot of times kids say, I need that one. If you're putting them in a pile, um, another thing that I used to do with them is when we, after we would take the picture, we would decide, is this a keep or a toss? And if there were, we would only be allowed to keep like one or two at the end of the year, I would like store them all together at the end of the year, we will go through and they would take a second pass at them. The second pass is critical because it allows you to say like, I thought I needed that, but now I really don't. I haven't looked at it. It's not very good. It's not my best one. But giving the kids the power to choose what they want to keep, that's essential because that teaches them how to um, have the critical skills to realize what's important and what's not. It's an executive function skill, and it's really, really important that we equip our children with this tool so that when they're adults, they can make fast, easy, precise decisions. No, I need this. No, I don't need this. Um, and feel secure in their decision-making abilities. But not only that, when they can practice this skill of how to make a decision, um, you're also enabling them to be in control of their stuff while teaching them organization. So you could say, listen, to be organized, this is the box that we have. All of your papers have to fit in there. You have to pick the most important ones. And that is like teaching them to prioritize. And that's really, really important. So um, that answers the other question that I was supposed to answer later on. But I'm going to go back to Razie's question, which was, um, they have so many toys and it's a big mess. And should I get rid of stuff? And this goes back to what I just said about choosing the artwork. Ask them what they think. They probably could declutter they probably are willing to get rid of some things that, that you might be really holding on to. Let your kids guide you in this sense. They know what they want, what they use, what they don't use. If it's a, if it's a big problem and you think they're really using all their toys, rotate the toys. Box up half of them, put them away, put a date on them, write it on your calendar and say, okay, I'm going to switch these toys out and you know before Pesach and then I will switch back you know before Shoshana again and they'll rotate the toys it'll be fresh it'll be new but really if you think you have too many you probably do so ask them to help you declutter tell them the toys could go to the playroom at the Beit Knesset or tell them you could take we can donate the toys to your to your nursery school or to your gun and then and tell them that you know, they have control, or maybe you could donate them and say, listen, look how many toys you have. The gun doesn't want them, and the playroom at the shul doesn't need them, but you know, there are children who need them. Let's donate them to the children who need them. I think the children will really feel like empathetic towards other children who don't have as much as they do, and it's a good lesson to get them to feel that way. Okay, so Panina cleared out a few drawers of things she hasn't used and was actually thrilled from emptying and tidying her stuff. And she wanted to know if anybody else can relate. And I personally can. 
I actually don't have that much to declutter, but actually this week I went through my clothes again, even though I don't have that many clothes, and I was able to get rid of three things that really were starting to look shabby, and I actually didn't need to replace them, and I feel great because I'm like, yeah, I have three less things in my life, and <laughs> it's actually a really um, amazing feeling, and what I will say is something that I heard this week um, from a different organizer was, um, which something she often tells her clients is, if there was like a natural disaster that you knew was coming, okay, and you could take out 30% of the stuff in your house, what would you take? And that to me is very telling about what's important. Now, I'm not really sure, like in the grand scheme of things, how many, how much is actually 30%. But there will be very few things that I would find in my house that are actually irreplaceable. Now, I'm not saying that they're not useful to me and that I don't use them, but I wouldn't actually take so much stuff with me if I had to clear out quickly. I wouldn't feel that I was like missing out if I had lost any of that stuff. I would take my computer, I would take the wedding, my wedding album, I would take our safe, I would take my kids, maybe. <laughs> no, I would take my kids, but I'm talking about just stuff. Um, and I would take like clothes enough so that I, you know, I could probably take all my clothes and it still wouldn't be, I could probably take every single piece of clothing in our house and it still wouldn't be 30% of our belongings. Um, and you know, I'm sure the kids would take a few things, but honestly, the rest of the stuff I could probably live without. <laughs> um, it's nice that I have it and I use it and it's useful to me, but it's not an essential. So when you're decluttering, I want you to sort of think about that and see like if I, you know, could take only a certain amount of things, would this be something that I take? Now that's not the single most important criteria for why you would keep something, but it is pretty, you know, high on the list. Okay. So Bozzy from Brooklyn called and I just want to say to you, thank you so much for the kind words. I'm, I'm really excuse me, glad you're composting more, kola kavod, and I wish you hatzlacha in your endeavor, you know what it is, I don't need to tell you, I think what you're doing is great, so kola kavod. Okay, um, then Basi from Borough Park called, and she said um, she's decluttering a lot, um, and her kids said to her, they were like shocked when she found something, they were like, oh, we didn't even know we had that. And I want to just say that that is such a common refrain that I hear when I'm with a client that like, I'll, hey, I'll be like, hey, is this a keep or is this a toss? And they'll be like, I don't even know what it is. Where did we get it? How, where did it come from? <laughs> like, and, you know, they might decide to keep it, but, you know, most of the time they won't because they're like, I don't even know where I got it. So I'm okay if it leaves my house. Um, but it's really common. I'm, I'm kind of glad you're encountering it. It's good for the kids to understand that, like, you know, this is a problem. This is how we get too much stuff. On a side note, I will say that I was with a client this week and, um, I was working with her and her husband together, and the first day I was there, the wife, um, she decluttered, I don't know, six bags of clothes, which is great. She could do more, but that was a good start. Her husband did like 10 bags the next day, and I had to pick up my kids, and all of the 
all of the uh, bags from the clothing to take to the donation were in my car and there wasn't enough room for the kids to sit. So I told the kids like where to meet me so that we could drop off the donations and they helped me unload the car. And my car was packed, like totally full. And the kids, my kids said to me, this all came out of one person's house. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, they had so much stuff. And I'm like, I have to go back there and I'm not even finished with them. And my kids were shocked. And I think that that was really eye-opening for them. And we had a whole discussion about like how much stuff people accumulate. And my parents are coming to visit. And they're flying uh, where they get two 50-pound bags each plus a carry-on. So that's, you know, basically 200 pounds of stuff, right? That's great. (laughs) And my mom is very much, what can I buy the kids? What can I buy the kids? And, you know, because it's after Hanukkah, they're coming for Hanukkah time. And, like, she wants to buy them stuff and bring them stuff and be a good grandmother. And after I had this discussion with the kids, they were like, gosh, I don't think I need, my kids call my mom Ima, don't ask. She's like the Ima. Anyways, they said to me, they call me mommy, but they said to me, I don't think we need Ima to really bring us anything. And I was like so happy that they totally were like, wow, we have a lot of stuff. We don't really need to get more. And we went like, they're like, mommy, when can we go through my clothes again? I want to, I want to get rid of some clothes because there are some things I'm not wearing and it's taking up too much space. And like all of a sudden that was a really eye-opening moment for my kids. And even though we talk about reducing our waste, making good choices, um, not consuming as much stuff, but they were like, this was the key to them. So what I want to say is if you do organize, let your kids see your progress. Um, Let them see the trash bags that you're going to get rid of, take to donation. Let them help you. They might not want to, but let them help you load up the car to take it to donation because they are going to see how much stuff they actually have in excess. And then you can remind them, hey, do you remember that time we filled up the car? Remember how much stuff that we had? Is this going to be something that we just cart off to donation in a few weeks? Like, get them thinking about it. Um... Okay, um, natural dishwashing soap. I use a brand called Ecover, E-C-O-V-E-R. Um, that's the one that has the scent that's least offensive to me here in Israel. Uh, in America, what did we use? The Ecover brand too? Now I can't remember. We used a different brand though, I think also. Sometimes I use seventh generation. Um, it all comes in plastic, unfortunately. Um, some soaps you can get in bulk. I really like the Echover brand. Um, it's fine, uh, you know. Okay, to the lady who called me about the apology because I said last week that zero waste is not my religion. Um, first of all, I want you to know that I was not insulted by your comments to me. I just wanted to clear the air because um, I I really know how much suffering goes on in people's homes because they have too much stuff. And what I have found is, is that zero waste or low waste or reducing your waste um, and reducing your shopping and reducing, be, adapting a more minimalist lifestyle is so cathartic for people. It's so 
um, life changing and improving for people that like, it's not, I'm, I see the benefits so much that I can't, I can't help like, you know, evangelizing the need to reduce what you have because I just see how much of a difference it makes in people's lives when they actually have less, when they actually reduce their waste, when they actually are conscientious about the trash that they're producing. They make better choices in their life overall. Um, and I just sort of wanted to be clear about that because while I am devoted to reducing my waste and zero waste, I'm also aware of the practical principles related to Judaism and reducing waste. And to me, I feel like it's hard to, to look at the zero waste ideals and not say that like they're totally in line with from values they for the most part are in terms of like being appreciative of what we have and when we have too much um we we really we really can't appreciate the bracha that hashem gives to us and we can't have gratitude and it's not possible because when we have too much, we're always consumed with having more. But when we take a step back and look at what we actually have, when we have less, and every single piece of, of stuff that we own is useful to us, we're able to really say, like, I'm grateful that I have this. When we have things in our lives that are not useful, they're a burden. But when we have things in our lives that are actually useful and that we're using, we appreciate them and we're able to look at them and say, well, thank you, Hashem, for giving us this cup or this bowl or this spoon or this piece of paper because it's, it's, it's necessary for us right now in this moment. And I, um, something that I learned when I was um, taking Chaya Hinda Allen's class is that like every single moment that uh, any, every single thing that happens to us is designed for us. We, we get, we get what's coming to us. No, that's not, <laughs> that, that's not, uh, I'm not, I'm not saying it great. What, what I mean to say is that like every single like point in life was designed especially for us so that it would happen to us. Like it's something for us to happen to. And like, it's something for us to like realize that Hashem is in control of all these things and that every single minute of what's happening to us is part of like some greater design. At least that's what I believe. And I, maybe there's somebody who doesn't believe that, but like for me, when I see like that, I was supposed to have that. I'm looking right now at my kiddush cups. Like I'm supposed to have that. I'm designed to have that. It's part of my plan to have these things. Um, I'm looking at like uh, extra water bottle my son got from his camp right now that he left out and it's driving me nuts and I'm thinking to myself why have I not recycled this already and when my son took it from the camp I said why did you take it he's like it was free and I said no next time just say no no thank you and like I'm looking at it and it's designed in that moment to say to me like here's a teaching moment for your kid but I just think that like every single time something happens to us 
it's there because it was supposed to be there. So, okay, all the mess that you have now was supposed to be there, but you've learned from it and now it's time to declutter it. So, um, I'm really not upset. I just wanted to be clear that to me, zero waste or low waste, as a lot of ladies point out, we should really call it. It's true that it's almost impossible to be zero waste, but that the goal is to waste zero. So, I'll keep calling it zero waste because, you know, I'm aspirational in that way. Um, but I really wasn't offended. I just think to me, zero waste very much um, is in line with halacha. And to your point about, you know, you know, I, I totally understand your point. I get it. I know, I'm familiar with the expression, um, but I just, I really feel like um, it's, imperative to improving the quality of your life okay um a lady from Lakewood I didn't catch her name sorry um but I was actually really inspired by your phone call <laughs> and it made me really really happy um this lady called me and said that her kids finished a reward like a, a goals chart you know they did all their chores or whatever and instead of buying them junkie toys from the dollar store she took them on a trip to a local airport and they watched the airplanes take off and she said that like it was great because it's something like they did together as a family and it was building lasting memories and and that really is the point right not for us to collect as much stuff as we can because you know as as i always say we can't take it with us the point is to give our children and also ourselves, these happy memories. So like, great, you go and you sit in the car and you watch the airplanes take off and you look for the different kinds of airplanes and maybe you have a snack. And I have to say like one of the happiest memories I used to have is I, I one year when I was a kid, um, it rained a lot and it was raining like every single Shabbos and we just, we couldn't leave, it was pouring. And my parents have a beautiful porch in their house. And my mom and I used to sit on the porch and eat jelly beans. And like to me, that is like a quintessential memory of my childhood. And honestly, I've asked my mom about it and she swears up and down. She does not remember ever doing that with me, but I know that we did it. I know I'm not crazy and I know that we did it. And um, it's like such a happy memory of a time that I spent with my mom. And okay, she can't remember it, but it happened. And like, for me, that's like when it rains, like I love to sit outside. I can usually do it without the jelly beans, but I love sitting with my kids. And actually my sister calls my kids the jelly beans. So that's ironic, I guess. I love sitting with my kids outside and watching the rain and we talk and it's nice and you hear the different sounds. And so I think that it's great that you did that. Kola Kavod, I'm really, really impressed. Um, she also said, um, that she, it's hard for her not to use disposables. It's true. It is hard sometimes. Um, she uses regular silverware as a compromise and just uses paper plates. So that's great. If that's what works for you, great. The point is not for me to be like, hey, you're messing up. No. Wherever you are on your journey is good enough. Just keep growing. Keep progressing on your journey. Okay. So this is sort of, uh, we talked about this already, old paper, excuse me, old papers that the kids bring home from school. It's too much and the kids 
um, you know, they get all upset if you throw things out before they're ready. So that's what I was saying before. Make a time. Like, here's a time that we're going to sort through all the papers together as a family. We're going to make this decision. You can keep only what fits in this box, and that's the end of it. Okay. Um, okay. There was a lady who called me and left me a very long voice message. And we're here around 40 minutes now. So um, what I'll say to you is this. I'm going to answer your other question about the iRobot in a minute. But um, I, she, you said you feel like you can't change your mind about not buying. Um, whoop, there goes the bus. You can't change your mind about not, you know, buying cheaper stuff because, you know, it's cheaper, it's better for your wallet. And, uh, you know, I don't need to change your mind. I just want you to be aware and conscientious of the fact that because something is made cheaply and expensively, not that the product itself is cheap or bad quality, just that the product itself is inexpensive. There was somebody laboring to make that, a real person, probably a child, and we should consider labor practices of companies where we shop and choose companies, support companies that are making better labor practices, better environmental choices when they produce products. That's all I'm saying. Just consider it. If you don't want to make a change, don't. But be aware that a child probably made that $3 shirt at Walmart. And, you know, how would you feel if your eight-year-old child was sitting in a sweatshop? That's all I'm saying. It's just something to think about. Now, regarding the iRobot. Okay, I'm going to go through this again because Black Friday is coming. This is what she said to me, that Black Friday is coming and it's a good time to buy it. That is true. And we will talk about Black Friday in a minute. Um, and believe it or not, they actually have Black Friday here in Israel. And don't forget, ladies, I did grow up in America. I've only been living in Israel for three years, three and a half years, Baruch Hashem. So, um, I do know like about department stores and like you could talk to me and I travel often enough to America that I'm like down with what happens. Now, if you call me from England, I might not know everything that happens there. Although I have been to England about six times. Ooh. Somebody's mad outside. I have been to England about six times, London six times. So I do know a lot of the stores there too. Um, okay, iRobot. The floor has to be clear. And honestly, that my husband and I spend 10 minutes at the end of the, each day and we pick up everything on the floor and then we just press the button. It forces us to be cleaner. Um, and, um, but the thing is, is the robot is not like an aggressive robot. It, it's funny because <laughs> last summer we had a house sitter when we were away and he was a student at the Technion University and he was, um, doing an internship in robotics. And, um, we said to him, every, you know, run, the house gets in Israel, everything gets really dusty. I said, just run the robot, you know, every other night because nobody's really here. So it's not so important. Run the robot every other night and, you know, whatever. And so he did. And he told me afterwards, he said to me, you know, I watched the robot and it doesn't make any sense. It goes in this weird pattern and it never seems to take the same route twice. And... I just couldn't figure out like what it was doing. And so the robot doesn't like always go in the same pattern. I think it has a sensor in it where it can see, um, and there's the other bus. So we should be good for the rest of the episode now. 
um, the sensor can see where um, there's like debris on the floor. It like senses something's coming, so it tries to go to it. If it touches a wall or a piece of furniture, it just sort of bumps into it once and redirects itself. If you're, I would not run the iRobot if your kids are home out, you know, in the house playing. I run it at night while we're sleeping. Um, but if you're going out to work in the morning and everybody's out of your house, just press it and then leave the house. Like, it's fine. It, you know, my kids know not to touch it. We usually have a chair sitting in front of it. Um, and if they do touch it, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to like vacuum them up <laughs> into the robot. It has, it's round and it has soft corners and it's fine for kids. Um, if the floor is wet, I don't know what will happen. I think it can go over wet spots without any problem. There is a model called the Scuba, which will like wash your floor, but I've heard that they're not as good as the robot. I just like it because here in Israel, the floor gets really dusty. I don't really want to sweep my floor every day. It takes like 30 minutes and I just, I don't feel like it's worth my time to spend my 30 minutes sweeping my floor when I can press the button while I'm sleeping and have something work for me. You know, there's dirt all over the floor. It definitely makes washing the floor easier because the dirt doesn't get piled on every day. Um, and the truth is, is that I probably wouldn't sweep the floor every day if I didn't have the robot, but I do run the robot every single day, except for Friday night. And ironically, that's the day when we sweep the floor. So, um, will it help you cut down on your cleaning bill? I guess it depends on how often you have a cleaner. My cleaner hasn't said like, yeah, your floors are more dirty or less dirty since we started using the robot, but I definitely think that it's worthwhile for us in our daily maintenance routine. Now, Black Friday is coming. <laughs> it's soon. And Hanukkah is coming. And I definitely want to talk about that more next week. But I will say this about Black Friday. Just because something is cheap or free even does not mean you should bring it into your home. So please, 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 please. It's okay if you're if you've been saving, waiting all year to buy something at Black Friday, that's fine. Buy it. If you're waiting, I used to wait, always buy a cell phone when I needed a new cell phone on Black Friday. Um, cause that's usually when the deals are cheaper cause the new models are coming out. It's okay if you need to buy something, but, but don't just buy it because it was $10. Buy it because you actually needed it or you really wanted it, or you've been researching it for a while and you're like, feel like you must have it. That is the important part. The important part is not to make these retailers be black. The important part is for you to be in the black. And the important part is for also for you to not have too much stuff. So please be conscientious about what you're going to buy on Black Friday. I will tell you, my mom always teases me. I totally used to wake up at 3.30 to go shopping on Black Friday. I really, really did. And I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that. But I love, I, I really do love shopping. I love the thrill of the hunt, like looking for a deal, looking for a bargain. But what I've realized is that the stuff doesn't actually make me happy. Um, once I've had it in my life for a while, especially when I'm not using it. And so 
I feel so much more comfortable. I don't actually miss it. Um, actually from a, like a anthropological point of view, I actually like really watching Black Friday because it's amazing to me to watch people like trample over other people and literally kill people to get to a toy that their child must have. Like, is anything that critical that we have to stampede to get it? And I think that it's, Black Friday has just sort of created this culture of like, we must have, we must have, we must have, and we wait all year for Black Friday. And must we have it? So I think it's something that we can all consider and we can examine it together next week. Um, I have some ideas about what you can get as gifts. Um, and yeah. Okay, I've been talking for too long. <laughs> I think I have a sore throat now. So um, please leave me any questions if you have them, especially if they're related to Hanukkah or purchasing for Hanukkah and, or Black Friday. And um, as always, I love to get emails from people too. That's a great way to ask me questions. A lot of times you can um, be a little more concise. And... You can email me at Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, at B-A-L-A-G-A-N, Balagan, B-B-E-G-O-N-E, balaganbegone.com. So please email me. I love to hear from you. Um, and um, I'm wishing you all a very organized week. And it seems weird to me to say that on Wednesday because, you know, it's the middle of the week. But I'm still going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to assume our week is now from Wednesday to Wednesday. So I'm wishing you all a very organized week and organized Shabbos. And I hope that you will all remember to repeat to yourself that Hashem keeps you organized. And I really just want to say that for the ladies who called me and said how much, like, they've decluttered and how much it has changed their lives. Really, thank you for sharing that with me. I really, I love hearing about your success and your success is also my success. And so please keep sharing with me and remember that, you know, I'm here if you have a question. Um, I'm not the one keeping you organized though. It's totally Hashem. So have a great week and remember Hashem keeps you organized.